I think entrepreneurs by nature have to be lifelong learners and love learning because there's not like somebody telling us what to do. Like we're figuring it out. I've learned as I've done all of my delegation work and research and just running this business for so long is it can be really scary to let go of things and create space for bigger and better things. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you've got with you today the knucklehead, Stephen. I'm excited to to sit down and talk. Um, well, you know how much I love talking about screw-ups and mistakes. One, just because I have a tendency to make so many. But then also, after having made them, go back and look at them to try to figure out how not to do them again or how other people can learn from these mistakes. It's a little point of why we started this particular show. So I've got, uh, I've got somebody who actually specializes in... Um, I would say more of a mindset shift relative to the uh, the, the business owners that uh, that are growing organizations that like to do everything themselves. If you're starting a business or if you find yourself running a company, it, typically odds are you're a type A. Or if you're in the Enneagram, you're what is it? What is that? A type seven, type six? My wife's going to tell me exactly what the number is. I can't remember. I think it's seven. Type seven. And so you like to be in charge. You like to, you know, do things your way. And quite frankly, you've been good at it because your business has grown. So what I like to do is I like to talk to people who who deal with business owners, a lot more business owners at the scale that Emily, our guest, uh, has today. So I'm excited to talk with her, uh, Emily Morgan. I am going to screw up the name of your organization again. One more time. Can you tell me exactly what it is? Yes, it's Delegate Solutions. That's what it is. Okay, there we go. Delegate. I was gonna, I was gonna fancy it up. All right. So Emily, it's nice to meet you. How in the heck is your day going? Honored to be here. It's going awesome. How about you? Today's good. I'm, I'm tired a little bit. Um, training for a triathlon wow. just because I got overweight <laughs> and uh, I want to be healthy and I'm training for a triathlon. So I figured I'd make it as hard as possible to get back into shape. <laughs> so that's what I'm, I'm kind of tired right now, <laughs> but I appreciate you asking. Uh, for, all right. So for those of you who are listening, uh, this is not where I'm going to put a plug into my favorite sports drink because I'm training for a triathlon. We haven't landed that, that sponsor just yet, but they're out there and you know who you are when it comes to what we're going to talk about. Here on Knucklehead, we we like talking about the things that we've screwed up. And a lot of times in the consultant world, in the business world, there's not really an opportunity or space to have those type of discussions. Um, typically, you're talking about what you do well, talking about what you do do great, uh, talking about what your team does better than your competition, talk about you know what your differentiating value proposition is, where you stand in the marketplace, how Gartner's Magic Quadrant has you or your company uh, posted there, and, and that's why people need to buy or spend money with you. We all know that in the business world, it's because of the things that you've screwed up, maybe that you don't talk about, and what you've learned from those as to why you are as good as you are. And so that's what we spend some time talking about. And the reason why I wanted to have uh, Emily come on is I'm fascinated, Emily, in your experience working with the number of people that you work with. Do you see that? Do you see that people are are less apt to want to share what they've screwed up? Uh, we work a lot with entrepreneurs. So probably I hear a lot of that kind of stuff from entrepreneurs. Um, and I'm involved in a lot of entrepreneurial groups. So I would say probably not in the entrepreneur space, but in a more corporate environment, I would imagine it's, you know, very much not something, not part of the dialogue. 
Yeah, there you go. Okay. So in a corporate, when you say a corporate setting, you're talking about mature organizations who've gone, you know, beyond that startup phase and they're, they're into that, that profitable growth mode to where potentially they're publicly traded, or maybe they're not quite publicly traded yet, but they're much larger and much more corporate. Uh, given the context of the question that I was asking, what are some commonalities that, that help those entrepreneurs grow? I mean, when it comes to delegating, obviously, if you have somebody who's very good on your team, you know, better skilled at operating than, than you are as an entrepreneur, better skilled at marketing or, you know, more detail oriented in doing financial planning or reporting. What are some things that you found uh, that is actually most helpful to deploy some of the practices that you teach? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of awareness required to be a good, good client of ours or to be someone that's actually going to feel delegation, make an impact for them. So I think step one is just some awareness of our own behaviors. Um, and we've, we've been doing this for 15 years. It's basically my life's work at this point, helping entrepreneurs figure out what and how to delegate and then systematically taking those things off their plates. So as part of that process, we've seen it all. Like we've, we've been doing this for so long with entrepreneurs that we actually identified five bottleneck behaviors that entrepreneurs exhibit or leaders in general can exhibit when it comes to making delegation work within their organizations. All right. So I have to ask you real quick, like what, what got, I mean, what got you started doing this type of work? When I think of delegation, um, full transparency, I think of, <laughs> I, I think of what I didn't get to on my honey-do list. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, okay. All right, babe. Got it. I, I will get that taken care of. Uh, to my wife when I'm talking about, you know, things that I, things that I didn't do just yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not that that's good, bad, indifferent. It's just, I know that I've got plenty of things to get done. Yeah. We all have way more than we can possibly get done in a day or even a lifetime. So how did I get started? I used to be an admin. So I was working at a university. I was working at a private uh, medical company and I was pregnant with my son and sort of had a a realization like, Hey, I can't commute in and out of Philadelphia with a baby. Like, how am I going to make this work? But I knew I still wanted to work and I knew I was really good at and enjoyed administrative work. So at that time, the virtual assistant industry was, you know, coming together into a more like formalized, you know, place in, in industry. Um, and so I was like, well, I can do admin work from home. So I started my company after my son was born and I was working remotely supporting entrepreneurs. And then over the years became more and more entrepreneurial myself. And now I have almost 50 employees all around the U S and a totally different model than when I initially started out 15 years ago. Obviously that's, that's a fascinating story. That's, I think it's a fascinating story. When I think about the flexion points, where do you see, I guess the, the steepest learning curve for entrepreneurs who are, you know, going into, you know, 10 employees for the first time or 25 for the first time. Is it, is it from employee number one? I've heard it's employee number one to employee number two, but it's a bigger, that's a bigger change than going from 10 to 25. I don't know if that's true or not, but you, you tell me. I mean, I can speak for myself and when I started it, it was just me. There was never this vision of what we have today. That being said, there was more demand than I could meet. So I was like, Hey, you know, virtual assistant person, why don't you come and I'll subcontract some work for you. And so for a while I was building it that way where I was using subcontractors, 
Um, and then I did the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program here in Philly, like five or seven years ago, totally recommend it. Love it. Big advocate for it. And in that program sort of came to terms with the fact that, no, I actually have a vision around how I want the service delivered. And it's a very unique way of doing what we do. And we can't really manage contractors to do that well. So we made the decision to move to employees. So then we had to convert some of our contractors to employees, which there were very few because many of them didn't want that model. Then we were only part-time. And then about two years ago or one year ago, we moved to full-time. So we have literally gone through every iteration of staffing and every iteration of it presents its own unique challenge. You know, like, it's not like, oh, well, this should have been the way we did it all along. No, I don't, I don't see 50 employees, you know, 15 years ago. I, I was not prepared for that. You know, I didn't have the education to even understand how that would work. So I think, I think women in general, we tend to grow businesses more organically and it's much more about our own self-discovery as entrepreneurs kind of dictates where we're going. That's interesting. It's interesting. Would you say that, would you say that, um, you had kind of led into the original answer saying various entrepreneur type organizations that you have an opportunity to go and, uh, and maybe learn alongside, um, you had referenced EO, I think before we started talking a little bit earlier, but you know, would you, would you credit maybe some of that discovery process to your, your, I guess your willingness to, to go put yourself out there in those types of circles? Yeah. I mean, I think entrepreneurs by nature have to be lifelong learners and love learning because like, hello, there's not like, there's not like somebody telling us what to do. Like we're figuring it out. And so for me, like those programs, Goldman Sachs, EO, there's so many that I could credit back to. Like that's where I learned. That's where I went to school. I was in the, the church of my peers being schooled on, Hey guys, this is going on. How have you handled it? What would you do differently? Like that's how <laughs> we built this business. Funny as it may sound. No, I mean, it makes, it, it makes perfect sense. If you ask me, uh, meaning if you're willing to put yourself out there and learn and you have the ability to earn along the way and necessarily allocate your resources differently to, uh, help to shore up growth or shore up deficiencies for lack of a better term. Um, it, it makes sense. And when you're always trying to grow it yourself, given the fact that you work with a lot of different uh, entrepreneurs and in seeing different businesses, what do you think there's some common practices that you see stunts folks' growth as opposed to allowing them and enabling to, to grow? There's so many, but off the top of my head, some of the big ones are the financial commitment to getting help. Everybody's really scared of that. And I wouldn't advise you one way or the other. I could just share in my experience Every time we invest in a resource, we grow as scary as that is to enter into. So I think that's a big part of it. So it's not, in your opinion, it's not necessarily a sales question or even a processes or systems question. It's just a matter of, of being willing to take a risk. I mean, that's just one of the things that I see. And in that demographic of people, I just see them hold on for so long that they stunt their own growth because they're not willing to and I mean, I'm sure I've been guilty of this too. I'm, I think I'm pretty risky <laughs> um, in terms of like going for things. So maybe less so for me in that category, but like, that's a big one. I think a lot of the times um, entrepreneurs, what we hear is I haven't earned this yet. Like I don't feel like I deserve, you know, 
I'm ready for an assistant or I'm ready for a sales manager, whatever it is. So they feel like they haven't earned it yet. One of the huge things that I've learned as I've done all of my delegation work and research and just running this business for so long is entrepreneurs. It can be really scary to let go of things and create space for bigger and better things. And and that happens one, because we're not really sure what we want to do with our time. And I would caution anybody that's thinking about delegation. That's the first thing you want to be clear on. What do you want to do instead? Because once you start freeing up your time, if you don't know the answer to that question, it just gets filled back in with more and more stuff. And then you find yourself in the same position. That's interesting. I was reading earlier today about how I think I referenced at the beginning of the call, the the Mike Krzyzewski example of, you know, here's somebody who's built an entire program, 42 years, I think is, is where he's at, multiple national championships. And you can make the argument that, you know, the infrastructure that's there could be taken over by somebody with a different vision and a different, quite frankly, decision-making process, potentially somebody who learned from him and can go out and replicate what he's been able to do, but he didn't select it. So therefore that particular individual did not get selected. It was somebody who, you know, he handpicked as his successor and he's supposed to take over the program. However, there was a a kind of a contentious um, handoff here, you know, and so I just, it's interesting hearing you talk. And, you know, when I read that example a little bit earlier today, do you find that taking your hands off the wheels and, and allowing other things to take place, meaning you hand over the operational control to a COO to handle different, you know, functions within the business. If you're used to daily operating it, that that's not just scary. It's you're not even quite sure how to optimize what you're going to go to next. Cause you haven't done it before yet. Am I kind of getting the cart before the horse with that question? Well, I get the question a lot. Like I run my company on EOS and it's called the entrepreneur's operating system. And in that model, there's a visionary and there's an integrator. And I get asked a lot as the visionary, should I hire an integrator? Or should I hire an assistant first? And I've interviewed many people with, on this question. And we always come back to the assistant because the assistant is where you're going to get your chops going around delegation and like letting go of things before you start to like dive into somebody running your company for you or running the operational side of your company. So I think setting a foundation of really solid delegation behaviors and mindsets and habits before you, you tackle something larger like that, because that can be really scary. I'm sure. That's interesting. Simon Sinek has a a video where he was talking about working with the SEAL teams and he used a diagram of, you know, high trust, low skill. I can't remember exactly what the X and Y axis was, but you know what I'm talking about. So you kind of shaking your head there, but how high skill, I think I can't remember. I'm going to, I'm screwing up this, this acronym quite a bit, but the, the high skill, low trust person is less valuable than the person who's low skilled, but high trust because they have to be able to operate in this autonomous high trust environment. It just, it was counterintuitive and he does a much better job of explaining it because I completely screwed it up, but you get what I'm saying in terms of there's nuances to the way that, um, you know, your organization is going to function in EOS. It, it really kind of spells things out fairly simply for folks who, you know, if you're daily checking into what's important and you have critical numbers or counterbalances, depending upon what system you use, I think Vern Harnish has the scaling up methodology. So you have your critical numbers or counterbalances and Gino Wickman calls it something else. And so there's a bunch of different systems that are out there 
um, in your opinion, what, does it matter which one you pick so long as you have a system and you follow it? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, System and Soul is another one coming out. Um, Pinnacle, EOS, Scaling Up. Just pick one and follow it and be true to it, I think, is the takeaway. But it will transform your business a thousand times over. Totally transforms your company. So when you call yourself a lifetime learner, you believe a, uh, an entrepreneur uh, kind of shares that characteristic in common with other ones. What's something that you're learning now? And, and are you documenting it anywhere or you know, coming up with literature on, on something that's about ready to be released? Oh, I have a book coming out. Is that what you're referencing? That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. You were talking about a book earlier. That's what it was. Yeah. I just finished my book. It's called Let It Go. And it's about how to scale delegation and freedom across your organization. So we talk not only about the entrepreneur, but we also look at how delegation can be a retention strategy for our teams. Because if our team is doing work that they love and it energizes them and they're making an impact, like how much more impactful are our organizations if we can get our teams leveled up as well. So that's what the book's about. It comes out in the spring. In the spring. So just in a few months. Is that right? Yeah. We're at the last stages of copy edits right now. So yeah, almost there. Very cool. Did you ask what else I'm reading and learning? Yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was curious about. <laughs> well, I lead, read and listen like every single day. I, have, I use Blinkist, which is this app that lets you kind of read certain books in little segments. So one of the books that I'm a huge fan of now, and it's funny because the guy did the same writing program that I did. The book is called How to Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. And it talks about the buyer experience from interest all the way through to their, their expectations being met and like how to think about that process. And so we've been spending at least three of the last quarters on implementing and thinking about the business in that way and that whole buyer experience. So that's one of the big ones that I've been spending a lot of time on. Fascinating. So when it comes to delegating, how do you go about selecting members of your team to, I guess, go through that exploration process with you? Um, well, as you can imagine, we get so many applicants. It's unbelievable. Like we have a whole team that deals with all of that, but our team is remote, full-time remote will always be remote flex work. We're looking for people that have a helpful mentality and disposition that that is just something that innately they're born to do is help others. And then, you know, we feel like we, we want you to have some admin background, but it's more about, um, your ability to naturally be inclined to help people because that's really what we do. Very cool. And not everybody has that. <laughs> no, no, quite frankly, we don't. The Enneagram is, the, it's like the more you learn about yourself, <laughs> the less that you realize you actually know. It's, it's, maybe that's, that's my issue that I have. It's, um, we're always learning that. Yeah. That's that. That's the hope anyway. Well, Emily, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking some time to, to talk through, you know, delegation. If there was one thing, and I understand it, it may be a series of things, but if there was one thing that you didn't anticipate, uh, that delegation, has revealed to you, not just about you, but about entrepreneurs and businesses, what would be that, that thing that continues to come up in conversation or something that's been revealed to you, the delegation and why it's so important? Well, I believe that we're all here on this earth to make an impact and contribute in a really unique way. And entrepreneurs start out with that sort of driver. And then the grind of the day-to-day -day of running a business just 
comes in like a tidal wave and we have to now run a business. And so that distracts us from the thing that we started the business to do. And so what I've found or uncovered in my work is that so many reasons why we don't delegate have absolutely nothing to do with delegation, that it has to do with psychological and emotional backstories, self-sabotaging thoughts, like all these things that, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as, Oh, I'm not good at it. No, there's deep seated issues as to why we don't want to let go of things. And so that's what a lot of my work has been geared towards is helping to make that part of the conversation. Yeah. It sounds as if you have to create some very significant trust with, uh, with people in order to uncover those things and subsequently be able to deal with them. Um, however, very rewarding all at the same time uh, because of the breakthroughs that I'm sure come as a result. So that's, that's fascinating work. Uh, so for our audience, those, you know, who are interested in listening to other people's mistakes, one, so they don't have to make them, but then also potentially the lessons learned from mistakes that they've made in the past and just to get another perspective from folks, what would you say maybe a good next step would be if somebody who's listening to this particular podcast, what would be, what would be something that you would prompt them or suggest that they do as a follow on going, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I think I am ready to take that next step. So we have a lot of ways we can be helpful to your listeners. And we created a landing page, delegate solutions.com slash knucklehead. And that has all of our resources, most of which are free. So um, on there, you're going to find our ebook, which is basically a delegation workbook where we start to dig into the bottleneck behaviors and all the sort of key thoughts around delegation that is our thought leadership content. So that's on there. Um, we have a live learning option. So if you're someone that likes to be in a classroom type setting, it's virtual of course, but it's small groups where we work through a lot of delegation challenges and we teach the content. We have that it's called elevation quarter. Or if you have an admin, this is brand new, we just started a community for admins. So if you have admin people that want to learn and grow from each other, that's a free monthly um, group that we've started. And then, of course, you know, we could provide um, fractional executive assistance support as well. That's quite the list of resources. There you go. So for those of you who are listening, my suggestion would be to go to the uh, to the URL that she just talked about, delegate solution slash knucklehead. Uh, there's a couple of different ways that you can get in touch with Emily and the resources that uh, her organization has made available there. So I appreciate you doing that. That's very cool. Thank you. All right. Well, anything else that you want to leave these folks with when it comes to screw ups or mistakes? Anything that's been profound that you that you feel uh, compelled to share at this time, Emily? I mean, again, I can just reflect on myself, and I think part of my challenge as I've grown this company is like how fast I can mentally move us to the next level. And that has, I think, slowed us down over the years. It's like, not that I'm like the bottleneck or the roadblock, but I think our own ability to see like, Hey, I'm slowing things down has been one of my key takeaways for myself. Like we can only grow as fast as I'm willing to allow us to grow. <laughs> uh, well, it goes back to what you were talking about, about fear. It, seem, it seems, uh, at least for every bottleneck or kink in the line that I, that I've run into, that's, it seems like it always comes back to a deficiency personally that I've had or some type of system that I've created that lacked perspective that I didn't ask about beforehand. So I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit better about some of the challenges that I've had myself. <laughs> I appreciate you blocking the time. And uh, with that, uh, those of you who like listening, Knucklehead, I'm 
Emily told you exactly how you can get in touch with her. We got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. Uh, we appreciate you. You can go check out Agency if you want to take a peek at how to bring Deadly's life through podcasting. And uh, we'll have a good rest of the day. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, Emily. I appreciate you taking some time.